This is Powered by Learning, a podcast designed for learning leaders to hear the latest approaches to creating learning experiences that engage learners and achieve improved performance for individuals and organizations. Powered by Learning is brought to you by DaVinci Interactive. For more than 25 years, DaVinci has provided custom learning solutions to government agencies, corporations, medical education and certification organizations, and educational content providers. We collaborate with our clients to bring order and clarity to content and technology. Learn more at DaVinci.com. Hello, and welcome to Powered by Learning. I'm your host, Susan Court. With me today is DaVinci CEO, Luke Kemsky. And today we're going to talk with Keith Mann, Vice President Continuing Certification at the American Board of Pediatrics, about what's involved in certifying medical professionals and what L&D professionals can learn from it. Welcome, Keith. Thank you so much, uh, Susan and Luke, for having me. It's great to be here, and I look forward to our conversation today. Yes, and great to see you again, Keith. Hey, Keith, start off by telling us a little bit about your background and also your current role at the American Board of Pediatrics. Yeah, so I am uh, a pediatrician and uh, for many years was involved in graduate medical education, then subsequently uh, quality improvement and patient safety at uh, two different uh, children's hospitals. Uh, based upon that background, I uh, was interested in job at the American Board of Pediatrics several years ago. Uh, there was an opening for the vice president of continuing certification. And the job fit, I guess, was good on both sides. Uh, so I moved from my quality and safety role out in Kansas City to become the vice president for continuing certification at the American Board of Pediatrics here in Chapel Hill. Oh, that's great. I know, Keith, at DaVinci, we're involved in learning solutions and technology you know, across a number of clients. And we've always found it interesting how the medical professions approach the ongoing certifications, and especially with specialized physicians. In a broad way, can you tell us about what a pediatrician needs to do to maintain board certification? You know, what activities do they need to complete and what is the experience like for them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So a physician becomes initially certified uh, after they complete uh, medical school and then subsequently their residency training in pediatrics and then uh, can get additional credentials uh, or certifications by doing subspecialty training. So uh, neonatology, for example. And then they enter into a a lifelong program for continuing certification. And that's the program I oversee at the American Board of Pediatrics. In order to maintain their certification uh, or continue their certification, a physician has to maintain their professionalism and professional standing. And that's a little hard for us to measure at uh, in a central way. Uh, so we rely on physician maintaining a valid and un- unrestricted license at the state level, knowing that the, the professionalism understanding at that local level is, is better than more macro level. And then uh, there are three other components uh, to continuing certification. There's lifelong learning and self-assessment, uh, the assessment of knowledge, judgment, and skills and the improvement in medical practice. So so those are the other three components that we kind of actively work with uh, physicians on maintaining over time. For lifelong learning and self-assessment, there are learning activities uh, that align with their professional practice, whatever their area of interest is, and they complete a certain amount of those learning activities over the course of continuous five-year cycles. Their assessment of knowledge, judgment, and skills is assessed through what used to be a secure exam every seven to 10 years, but now we've moved into uh, something that we're calling MOCA-PEDS. It's a longitudinal assessment of learning, and I'll spend a little more time on that in a second. 
And then the last part is improvement in medical practice, uh, which is uh, around the idea that uh, knowledge acquisition is one thing, but knowledge application is another. And we want to make sure that physicians are not just learning the right content, but applying that to their practice. And so as an example, a physician might know that there's a, a certain age and population of physicians to give the influenza vaccine to, but translating that into practice so 100% of it, people get that vaccine uh, is harder. And so it's the idea as improvement in medical practice is taking that knowledge and making sure we're applying it to constantly improve patient care. And so I mentioned a second ago about mocapedes, and I'm happy to spend a little bit more time talking about that as well. All right, great. Yeah, well, we'll come back to that. I think, you know, when you talk about those MOC learning activities with the maintenance of certification kind of little learning activities, I imagine there's a whole range of complexity. Maybe you could talk about one that's maybe not too complex and it's one of your favorites. Oh, yeah, that's easy. I, uh, actually, our least complex is probably my favorite. Uh, so I would say our, my favorite and probably our most uh, popular activity is something called uh, Question of the Week. And we call it QOW for short to keep it simple. So QOW gives participants a pediatric case study, an abstract from the literature, an in-depth commentary on a specific topic that's referenced in that abstract, hyperlinked references, and as you can probably intuit from the name, a question every week for 50 weeks of the year. Uh, and so the activity, it helps us work with physicians to keep them up to date on core content knowledge uh, because the commentary goes over common topics in general pediatrics. But it also helps us support physicians in keeping up with emerging literature because we're linking the question in the commentary to a recent abstract in the medical literature. And so that activity helps us do both of those well. And it it occurs in a way that uh, diplomates can space their learning on a weekly basis and can do it relatively quickly. It, the activity takes uh, between 15 and 30 minutes at the most, depending on how much effort you put into it. And so it can be done in quick periods of time in between, you know, at lunch or in between a patient, even if you uh, had a few extra minutes. And so it's a popular activity, I think, for for a number of reasons. Yeah, that's excellent. I know that we've developed that probably, oh, it's probably been five plus years ago now. And it's great to see that it's increased in popularity. Yeah, we have over 80, about 80,000 certified pediatricians of which over the years, about 20,000 in some way have engaged with question of the week. So we have about 7,000 regular users and about a quarter of the pediatricians that are certified with us have engaged with question of the week at least once. Yeah, that, that's great. So I know that the quality improvement special part of the overall uh, maintenance of certification and the continuing to stay continuously certified and how the participation in that component like actually positively impacts the diplomates' knowledge and their practices overall and the care that they provide. Can you talk a little about that? Sure. So as you're both aware, healthcare is complex and unfortunately, physicians, pediatricians and physicians of all specialties don't always deliver the absolute best care to patients. And it's not because there are bad physicians out there or because there are major knowledge gaps. It's because uh, knowing something and doing something are vastly different things. And in healthcare, this concept of quality improvement is the framework that we use to help physicians systematically analyze and subsequently improve the care that is delivered to patients. And then along with that, outcomes begin to improve. And so we uh, try to help physicians down that journey 
by providing different online improvement templates for them to utilize. We also allow physicians to submit their own quality improvement projects directly to either a sponsor organization that verifies that project on our behalf or directly to us, uh, and we verify uh, their participation in that project. And I think what physicians learn through that exercise is, is often twofold. One is they learn about the content with which they are trying to make improvements. And so in order to make the improvements, you have to delve into the content area uh, to make sure you are up to date in the most recent literature. But more commonly, what they're learning is how to apply what that content to their practice in a systematic way. So they're learning about analyzing data, measurement, and improvement uh, methodology that allows them to both make a meaningful change in their practice and then sustain that change over time so patients uh, ultimately get better care. That's really great that they can, they can see the progress that they're making as they're learning and fulfilling their requirements. I know that the continuing certification program, it seems like it'd be fairly difficult. It involves a lot of really talented people to come up with the activities and the assessments on an ongoing basis. What does it take to develop a program in terms of the types of roles and backgrounds of the participant and the time it takes to develop? Yeah, so I think it takes it takes a lot. It takes a lot of people and it takes partnerships. I think that's equally as important. We don't really develop anything without some degree of partnerships with either uh, specialty societies that we work with, pediatricians who volunteer for us in a number of different ways. Uh, as an example, uh, we have a continuing certification committee with 10 pediatricians from different walks of life who give me and uh, the ABP input on the program continuously. We have focus groups uh, with pediatricians to understand their needs. And all the way down to the exams that we administer, it's pediatricians who help us with the analysis of practice that subsequently leads to the percentages of questions on different contents in the exam. And so every step of the way, we are engaging pediatricians either directly or through their societies to help us build a continuing certification program that our goal is for it to be meaningful, relevant, and valuable to pediatricians. And we can't do that uh, without the volunteer work of well over 300 pediatricians that support the American Board of Pediatrics through their efforts. Yeah, that's great. We're, we're certainly hearing a lot about partnerships in a lot of the learning and development organizations, you know, outside of the medical field as well, uh, in terms of a way to connect, to involve, you know, the people who will ultimately participate in the activities, and then also to, you know, really get subject matter expertise from a lot of different directions as well. So uh, what types of uh, subject matters and types of learning experience are most popular right now? And, and why do you think that is? It's interesting. You know, subject matter is a little hard because we have general pediatrics and then 15 pediatric subspecialties. And so the content is different by subspecialty. Now, there are some content areas which clearly overlap all subspecialties, more generic topics. And an example of one we just worked on uh, with you all is around diagnostic bias and diagnostic error. So knowing that a physician can miss a diagnosis or have a delay in a diagnosis, we were, uh, put together a, a module with some content experts uh, to help physicians understand and learn about diagnostic bias in a way that makes the likelihood of getting the correct diagnosis at the correct patient at the correct time more likely. And so that's content that could apply to everybody. Then we'll also work specifically with groups on content that is, is relevant directly to them. Um, and there's also some other areas that we try to focus on 
like uh, motivational interviewing be another example of a topic that can apply to multiple specialties. There is a lot of interest right now in behavior and mental health. We're seeing you know, increasing rates of adolescent depression and, and suicide and autism. And physicians across multiple domains have to care for patients. You know, a general pediatrician, I think uh, it makes sense that you'd be caring for patients with uh, different uh, mental health concerns. But a specialist who manages a patient with a chronic disease, that patient is likely to have mental health concerns over time. So a specialist who might not be as trained in developmental pediatrics as a generalist will also has to know some of uh, that content. So there are some of these overlapping uh, content fields. From a way to learn perspective, I, we're seeing a lot of interest in microlearning. Give me something quick that I can consume in a digestible chunk when I have time to do so. I, I think it's one of the reasons question of the week is popular. We had a, a decision skills activity, which is a, a case-based, question-based format that we work on uh, with you on. And we used to have a 50-question decision skills form that we would release. And we're still using that form, but we're trying to now break it up into content. So rather than have to go through 50 questions in order to get credit, we're looking to get 10 questions on cardiology, 10 questions on endocrinology, 10 questions on behavior and developmental medicine. So you can learn more uh, in bite-sized chunks. Uh, and, I, and I think we're hearing a lot more about that uh, over the past couple of years. Yeah, that idea of micro learning and also spaced out over, you know, over a time period is definitely popular throughout the learning and development field across a lot of industries as well. So that's interesting to hear how it's coming in. And I, I'm sure with students, they're starting to get more of that through their education, even prior to getting to either medical school or to graduate school. Yeah, absolutely true. You know, we're, we're even seeing the same with our approach towards assessment, where the exam that a physician used to take was seven years apart uh, in continuing certification, and they would get 200 questions delivered in a single setting. And we've moved towards MOCAPEDS, which is our longitudinal assessment, uh, where we deliver 17 to 20 questions per quarter to physicians. And you release one question at a time. The physician gets, once they answer the question, they actually rate the relevance to their practice and their comfort level with their answer and then see the answer and a, and a rationale. So they learn immediately after answering the question, and then we can use their, their confidence and relevance ratings to actually feed them back questions over the course of the exam that they uh, rated as relevant to their practice that maybe they got wrong. And so it gives us an opportunity to uh, reinforce that learning at a later time in the year uh, while still maintaining kind of the validity of our uh, assessment product. And so a physician, instead of getting a single point in time exam every seven years, learns and continuously. And then over the course of four years, we take those cumulative questions and give an assessment passing score to them. That's that's really a neat idea, Keith. I love the fact that it's not assessment for assessment's sake, but there's actually learning coming through those assessments. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's assessment for learning, which which I think which we hear from pediatricians anyway that they prefer this model uh, drastically over the point in time traditional exam, and that uh, more importantly, they are learning and applying that learning to their practice. And so we get examples for every time we roll out uh, you know, a new specialty of physicians that learned something from one of the questions and applied it to their practice in relatively short order. 
that definitely makes sense. And I could see that trend, again, flowing across a lot of learning and development and certification kinds of professionals that are out there. Keith, what are, what are some of your biggest challenges in developing and administering specific activities that are both meaningful and relevant to both the pediatricians and the pediatric subspecialists? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is probably the volume of content and the rapidly evolving uh, medical literature. So one of the ways we're tackling that is by integrating assessment and learning. And so through Mocapedes, we're able to both add rationales to the question and introduce articles during the course of the year, either through an emerging topic concept. So we were able to introduce a measles question last year, a COVID question this year, or through guidelines that are introduced in the beginning of the year that we subsequently ask questions on. And so one way we're tackling this is through the Mocapedes product. Other ways are uh, partnering with other organizations. We, you know, we can't possibly produce enough content for general pediatrics and pediatric subspecialties to meet all of the needs. So we partner with other educational organizations. You know, the American Academy of Pediatrics is a great example. They are the educational home for many pediatricians and a lot of the work that they do, for example, they put on a national conference and exhibit every year that thousands of pediatricians attend. And they uh, have aligned the ability to get uh, continuing medical education for attending that conference with the ability to also get credit for the continuing certification of a physician for that self-assessment component. And so a physician can leave the NCE with both CME credit and maintenance of certification part two credit, which is that self-assessment. So we partner with other educational organizations to try to um, that are already working with physicians on their educational needs to make sure that's aligned with our program. That's that's really great. To wrap us up today, you know, what's next in continuing certification from your perspective for the ABP and what's kind of motivating these new approaches? Yeah, so I think I'll mention two things. So one is really around just the core components of continuing certification. We'd like to better align assessment and learning even more than we're currently doing. And as an example, being able for a physician to be able to utilize cumulative scores on their assessments over time tied to the content domain of the questions they are most commonly getting incorrectly, and then aligning that with what they know about their own practice to better drive learning. And so a lot of... So right now, it's difficult for a physician to look into their portfolio and choose learning topics that align most with the gaps that we've seen in their assessments over time. And we'd like to make it easier for them to do that. We'd like it to make it easy for a physician to see their knowledge gaps by displaying them in a, in a way that's visible and then being able to eventually link those to learning activities, which can help uh, close those gaps. So that's related to the program itself. Related to what's going on in society uh, right now, we, are, we have a big emphasis uh, in this year on helping physicians close health disparity gaps. Mm -hmm. And so there are clearly differences in many outcomes for children based upon race. And so, you know, black children have a higher mortality rate at infancy than, than white children and uh, an infant mortality rate. So, and that's independent of socioeconomic status and other variables that come into play. And at the same time, there are other social determinants of health, like the zip code that you live in, your household income. And so we are looking at helping physicians collect meaningful data on the race or ethnicity of children and collect meaningful data 
on the social determinants of health that impact outcomes and would like to help facilitate that so that physicians can look at data stratified by, as an example, race or ethnicity, and look at their practice and try to determine are the influenza rates different based upon the race of a child? Or are the, are the immunization rates different based upon other variables that come into play, which zip code the family lives in? And if we can help physicians identify that, uh, we may be able over time to tackle some of the healthcare disparities that exist in our society. So that's uh, some active work that we're really interested in uh, forwarding over the next uh, year to two. Yeah, it's really fascinating and interesting how you can take data from the local practices in all different kinds of area and then have it kind of be shared through your platforms and then applied both back at the local practice and then also from a national viewpoint. A lot of what quality improvement is driving the intrinsic motivation that physicians have to be better. And so if you ask a a group of physicians, do they like quality improvement? Those who have never engaged in it will almost automatically say no. It's it's, it's difficult if you haven't learned it systematically. You know, I never learned it growing up as a physician. I learned it, you know, 15, 20 years into my career. So now we're teaching it in training. But for all those physicians practicing over years, the idea of quality improvement is difficult. And many are frustrated with the requirement. But the idea is if we can stimulate physicians to get that inherent drive to improve, then that intrinsic motivation takes over. And whether there's a requirement or not is less concerning to the physician. They're doing it because they know it makes a difference in their practice. And so that's the the goal of introducing this concept of um, looking at stratified data on a more holistic way is that once physicians see the topic might look different by race or ethnicity, they'll be automatically driven to try to understand and close that gap. Well, that's really, really great, Keith. That touched on such a wide range of topics and so many different things that we could kind of dive into deeper. We only had more time. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you stress, though, Keith, the the benefits to the physicians and ultimately the patients coming out of the training and the assessments. I mean, it's making it so meaningful for the pediatricians who participate in and ultimately for the people that they take care of. So just some great insights, really interesting. And and as Luke said, it certainly applies uh, way beyond uh, the medical field. So Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, spending your time with us and sharing with the Powered by Learning audience um, what's going on with the American Board of Pediatrics and, you know, what's happening in the general world of medical certification and how that can be relevant across a lot of different learning and development applications. Well, I I truly appreciate the invitation. I've enjoyed spending time with both of you today and let you know that we apply the same continuous improvement principles internally at the American Board of Pediatrics. And so hopefully you'll have me back in a couple of years and I can share the improvements that we've made in that uh, time frame. Consider it an invitation. Thank you. (laughs) Luke, it was great to talk with Keith. He certainly had some interesting uh, insights to share. What are some of the key takeaways that you got from the interview? The integration of the learning and assessments really getting to that higher level of assessment and making it really relevant to the practices to improve the practice. Uh, He talked about the question of the week activity, great example of space learning and micro learning and case-based learning all wrapped up in one. Um, And then it's also, again, a way they can meet their certification requirements. Talked about some of the interesting topics most recently, like with diagnostic bias, interviewing skills, and mental health concerns. Um, Also talked about the partnerships that they've established with um, both their member pediatricians and along with other associations that have um, special knowledge 
so that they can really have a broad subject matter and a lot of the learners actually involved in the creation of the assessments and the activities. And then last, he talked about closing those disparity rates and using the activities as a way to measure where those disparity rates are and where they can make improvements to to make them better in the future. It was so interesting to talk with him, and he's certainly so passionate about the topic. It was great to hear how they have evolved their training over the years, and I think it sounds like it's even more relevant and meaningful for the physicians and also more impactful on healthcare in general. Yeah, lots of good stuff there. Thanks, Luke. And many thanks to Keith Mann from the American Board of Pediatrics for joining us today. If you have any questions about what we talked about today, you can reach out to us on DaVinci's social channels through our website, davinci.com, or by emailing us at poweredbylearning at davinci.com. Powered by Learning is brought to you by DaVinci Interactive. For more than 25 years, DaVinci has provided custom learning solutions to government agencies, corporations, medical education and certification organizations, and educational content providers. We collaborate with our clients to bring order and clarity to content and technology. Learn more at davinci.com.